Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Waking Up with Jessica show. This has been a vision of mine for so long, and I'm just so happy to be filming my first episode in the middle of Times Square. What are the chances of that? If you've been following me for a while, you'll know that I am a traveler. I love to travel around the world and absorb myself in many different cultures and have these very unique experiences, which to me is um, transformation in a lot of ways. And I do feel that travel is true transformation, really just shifts so many different perspectives and um, you really have just a whole new perspective on life and you meet the most incredible people. Some of the friendships that I've made while traveling were just, that are, they're just so invaluable in so many ways. This episode is going to be very unique because I'm going to be sharing uh, an experience that I had in Peru in 2021 where the world was very topsy-turvy. I mean, it still is. Um, but it was a time in my life where I was just um, really confused about a lot of things and I just needed something to, uh, I don't know, just kind of something to give me like a reset. So I went to Peru and I signed up for a whole week long ayahuasca retreat. And that is how I met my first guest, <laughs> Alex. Um, so please welcome Alex to the show. Hello. Thank you. Alex is a psychotherapist and facilitator of holistic health. Yes. And can you just tell the viewers a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So like Jessica said, I am a psychotherapist and facilitator of holistic healing to include breath work, mindfulness meditation, sound healing, and most prominently the body through embodiment and somatic work. And I feel like my main priority in the work that I do is really equipping people with the knowledge, the information, so as to use their body as the innate healing tool that it is. Our bodies truly have the ability to heal us, but I feel like for so many that power lies dormant. And so really just equipping people with the skill to be able to use their body as the healing tool that it innately is. Yeah. Amazing. Is this your first podcast? Yes, it is. Uh, mine too. <laughs> like we said, it's like going up the, the roller coaster, yeah. all of a sudden hands up and you're like, let's do it. I read something uh, yesterday that said, your first podcast will suck, but do it anyway. Well, I can assure you this one won't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's just so funny to think about where we were a year ago, yeah. just chatting, chatting, chatting for hours at the cafe. Yes. I mean, we totally were out of time. Afternoon passed. And this was one of the things that you said you wanted to do. And here we are back in New York City doing the thing. So life kudos, is, kudos to us. Life is fascinating, <laughs> isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Thanks for being my first guest. Like, seriously, like you didn't know what it was going to be like, what you were going to walk into. 
Um, so I really appreciate yeah. that. And I'm really grateful that we met. Alex and I met in Peru. What was the town that we were in? Cusco, right? Or no, that was the town Sacred below Valley? the was it Sacred, Sacred Valley. Valley. Yes, yes, yes. And um, we met at a center called Arcana Spiritual mm-hmm. Center where they facilitate uh, ayahuasca retreats. Mm-hmm. And um, there was about 15, 16 of us that were yeah. there, Most, mostly people from the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. Mostly yeah, Americans, yeah. Mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. Canadians. Yeah, yeah. And um, have you ever done ayahuasca before? No, that was, I mean, that trip was the first time that I've done it and the last time that I've done it too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, How about you? Was that the last time that you've done it? It was, it, that whole trip was my first, was the first, 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 first <laughs> so and for last now. for now. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, well, before we get into that, you just got back from Cuba. Yes. How are the Cuban people? Uh, So beautiful. So beautiful. This was actually my second time visiting Cuba. I loved it the first time. I fell in love with it the first time that I felt so grateful, so privileged to be able to go back and re-experience falling in love all over again, especially through the eyes and through the lens of my friends who we're experiencing it for the first time. So I always feel like that feels like fresh and invigorating. Um, But as you know, because I know that you've been there too, the the people there are so friendly, so beautiful. Everywhere you walk, they're just so warm. They're organic. Oh yeah. They're so organic. They haven't been hypnotized by the bullshit in the Western world. And they're very just real. Yeah. And despite all their hardships, They still manage to smile. They still manage to dance mm-hmm. in the streets. They still manage to just smile and welcome yeah. you. Welcome oh, you yeah. into their house to oh, give oh, you yeah. whatever they got. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, funny story about that. I actually had a man that was driving us around because the first time that I went, I was with my fiance now. And we just completely hit it off with the driver. And he was like, I really want you to come to my home and meet my whole family. He was like, you have to come. And we're like, okay, why not? So here we are in the middle of his living room with his mom, his wife, his new baby, all drinking a coffee. And I feel like that is what you get there. This authentic curiosity, this hospitality, this very warm welcome that is really invigorating. Yes, it really is. And it's sort of been lost in today's world. So when I'm back there, I really, well, when I was there, I just really appreciated those little human experiences that I've had. And I just remember being brought into one house and they were smoking cigars Mm -hmm. and I don't Mm -hmm. smoke. And they just like handed it to me. I'm like, Oh, why not? So I did a wedding Cuba, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's probably strong too, right? Yeah. I was like, you probably felt that one. What is this? (laughs) And then they love their rum. Yes. Oh man. I was drinking the Cuba Libras. You know, I don't really drink that often now, day to day, but there I was definitely indulging in a few Cuba Libras. Yeah, yeah daily. Cuba Libre. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, yeah, the Cuba will always hold a very special part yeah. of my heart because, I don't know, I just felt something very strongly when I was there. and yeah. Um, I feel similarly, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I went back a second time and I can't wait for I the I want to go back third. again. Yeah. yeah. 
I like to experience places that not many people would think to go to. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, you and I both. I think, I think yeah. we have a few on our roster. We're pretty similar. Like, you know, I mean. <laughs> we have a few countries on our roster that people are like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you got engaged in Malaysia. Yes. yes. How did that come about? <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like that's one thing that me and my fiance have in common is that we love traveling and it's really places that are kind of off the beaten path. I mean, our first trip that we ever took together was actually Moscow, Russia. And it was like when we first met, we're like, there's a cheap flight here. Yeah. This is something very different. Like, let's do it. So that kind of set the tone and the trajectory for the rest of our relationship to unfold. And we've been to a lot of places that are less common, I think, for tourism. Uh, so I think that place, it was just kind of like what we typically do, just like browsing That's flights. Amazing. This is a good one. Let's do it. I actually didn't know he was going to propose to me on that trip, but it all worked out. I didn't think he was prepared. Hey, couples that travel <laughs> together, stay together. <laughs> yes, I do think it definitely catapults the relationship to see if you're compatible for sure. Totally. I mean, if you Absolutely. you really learn about somebody when you live with them and you travel with them. So if you can do both of those things, then you know that that's yeah. a sure fit. So congratulations on that yeah. and yeah, your wedding. It's you. going to be magical. Yeah, I mean, you're Libra, we're excited. So of course, I'm sure every <laughs> every be- tiny detail was well thought out of, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's gonna be. What's it's his gonna son, be beautiful? He's a Pisces. He's actually the first Pisces that I had dated. But I think we both share a love for just the dreamy things in life, the beautiful things in life. We love being, I think, enamored and. Uh, intoxicated by all the dreaminess that life has to offer. That's beautiful. So, and he loves to travel. That's a huge yes. for you. I, I, yes, you know, yes, yes. Same. Yes. Like I can't be with someone that doesn't like to travel. Like, yeah, I'm the type of person. Like, let's just pick up and go, or oh, meet yeah. me there. Or I'm going to be in India. Why don't you come? You know, yeah. I'm yeah. just that type of person. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I feel like if that is a value of yours, then absolutely finding someone who's going to be a good match in that is vital. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's talk about our experience (laughs) in Peru at Arcana, where we drank the (laughs) Kool-Aid. We drank the tea. (laughs) They said, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Well, you know what? We drank the the Kool-Aid, the tea, the special brew. What is it? It's oh, like two different plants mixed. Like, how do they even come up with this? Like, was I forget it come- how? Because I know that I saw them mixing it actually out in the rainforest. Because as I was talking to you about earlier, before meeting you in the Sacred Valley, I had actually done a week in their rainforest location wow. too, because they have two. And there, I think, is actually where they make it because they get all of the leaves, the plants from the rainforest, and. um you got to kind of see them mixing and brewing. It was pretty cool. But I understand that like this has been around for like hundreds of years and it's a very ancient um, thing that's part of their culture. But like, how did they even discover, oh, if you mix this and you mix, like with you this. Know what? I think human beings are very curious. We've always been very curious. Yeah. When you think about, yeah, I think we just like see things. Like I'm just even thinking about back in like cavemen days of like, what is this mushroom over here like? Yeah. Let me see like what this Trial is about. Trial and error, right? <laughs> I think we have always been innately curious and that has gotten us to where we are now with yeah. certain different plants. 
So I signed up for the one week ayahuasca retreat. I think during the time it was around COVID. So there was like a significant discount. Everything <laughs> just totally was like meant to be. I'm like, I'm going to Peru. I want to go to the source. I don't want to do it in the mm-hmm. States. I want to go to the source where it's from. Yes. Yes. I want an yes. authentic experience. I want to be with shamans that don't speak English. Mm-hmm. And that that is exactly what we got. It was okay. like a five-star facility, mm-hmm. but the shamans mm-hmm. were indigenous people. Yeah. They yeah. prayed over the medicine. They saw it as very sacred. Um you got to meet with them the day before and talk to them about why you're there, what your intentions were. I wasn't going there because I wanted to trip. I was going there because mm-hmm. I was using this as a spiritual tool. Mm-hmm. There was so much going on in the world. I was just really confused about where I wanted to go creatively, what I wanted in life. I felt like I just needed some sort of reset. Oh, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. I'd always been curious about ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. I'd watched mm-hmm. documentaries about it and I was yeah. absolutely terrified, but I'm like, you should do things that terrify <laughs> you, right? Yeah. So we get there and there was like this whole special diet. The food was amazing. Right? Yeah, it was actually very bland, really, really but very delicious. Yeah, very high quality. Yeah. Very high quality. Yeah. I had my own room. It was a beautiful compound music and mm-hmm. uh The day of the first ceremony, we had to drink a liter. Was it like a gallon? No. What was that? It might have been more. (laughs) Of lemongrass tea. Oh, my gosh. Until you had to vomit. Yeah. You drank until you were at the point of vomiting. And that was our first... When you go through an experience like that, it kind of just bonds you. I'm like, what what am I I doing? What am I doing here? I'm like drinking this tea trying to vomit over a fence by a river like oh my gosh. What, what is my life yeah. and i paid two two grand for this like what what is my life right now and yeah. i couldn't finish it everyone else was like finishing it and i still oh, have yeah. like this much left i'm like they're like mm-hmm. you need to drink it yeah so finally yeah. did it purged yeah felt horrible oh yeah we couldn't eat Remember, we couldn't eat, and the ceremony wasn't until like six hours, seven hours later. So we walk into this temple, candle lit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we sit on our mat. Yeah. And then you go up one by one, Mm -hmm. and you take, you drink the ayahuasca. I went up there, and I just downed it. It didn't really taste as bad as I thought. What did you think? <laughs> I thought it was pretty awful. <laughs> really? I was like, oh, this is this is tart. Yeah, it was very tart. It was very but bitter, right? I just, very, very bitter. Bitter, but I think that if you just down it, that's the way to do it. You yeah. don't want to sip that. <laughs> exactly. So it was, you don't want to sip that. It was a very intentional yeah. moment when you went up there and yeah. they did like a whole blessing on you. Yes. And yes. I really liked that spiritual aspect Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you just go sit on your mat and there was like six people that went in front of me so one by one I saw them vomiting in their bucket and I'm like oh it's gonna hit me yeah and next thing I know I started purging (laughs) in my bucket and I was shooting through the cosmos and then there's this beautiful symphony of vomit going on simultaneously with the Icaros. You hear all of these sounds kind of like blending together. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, what is going on? People and crying. It just, 
shoots you off. You launch off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I left the planet. I, I literally thought I was dead. <laughs> I asked Payman hey, hey was next to me. Remember him? Yes, he yes, was yes, yes. So funny. Yes. I do remember asking him, Am I dead? <laughs> and he was like, No, just stay on your mat. I was moving out of my mat. I was just there was curtains behind me. I opened up the curtains and just oh, put my, my head against the window. I was honestly, this was the most terrifying experience of my life, Mm -hmm. but also the most spiritual. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was it like when you first drank it? What, after you purged, what happened? So I will actually say it was very interesting because the very first time that I did it, because as I mentioned, I did a week before coming to the Sacred Valley, I actually felt that the first time that I did it was very mild. And it was interesting because I feel like I is one of those things that you never quite know what you're going to get. It is each experience is going to be so uniquely different. So the first time I was like, oh, this is kind of mild. Like, Okay. Like no biggie. Did you purge? I, I Oh yeah, absolutely purge. Like that's like a given. There's no escaping or bypassing that part. Um, so yes, definitely felt um, sickness in my stomach and did all of the purging though felt like the experience that I was getting was rather mild. And I think I even had the thought of, hmm, maybe this isn't as intense as people said that it was. So then the second time I did it and I'm feeling brave, I'm like, oh, we can do this. Oh, it was completely different. I was in another planet, like you said, it was completely different. Was this in Sacred Valley? This was in um, the rainforest. Yeah. Wow. Um, And so I felt like that experience was completely different than the first. And then the second, third experience where it's completely different than the others. I mean, you just don't know what to expect. And that's why they say that it truly does kind of give you what it is that you need. And there are no expectations. You have to relinquish and surrender and just yeah. kind of flow with it and take it as it comes. But I think that there's no real preparing for it, you know? Sure. Um, but like you said, I'm thinking of the adjectives to describe yeah. it. And it's intense, yeah. beautiful uncomfortable, yeah. expansive. They say it's like 20 years of therapy in one session. What do you say about that? Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts on this because I think that absolutely like it catapults the process, right? And I think that after having done this, I've sat with this in my own head for a while because I know that this became a tool that so many were using. And absolutely, I think that at the end of the day, it's really just the intention in which you use it with, right? And anything can be either medicine or it can be poison, right? And it's really just the intent in which it's used. I will say that nobody needs it, right? Like I said, our bodies are neatly equipped to heal ourselves. But if you're interested in using it as I am, I'm curious. Absolutely. Like it has the ability to completely expand you and maybe what could have taken a much longer period. And I also think that for those who feel very, very, very far away from awakening to the fact that they are innately powerful, this has the ability to really 
shock them into that belief, right? right? So it's like, if you don't even know that that's possible for you, you may never even awaken to that power. So for those who seem like it's so far, like, absolutely, this really, really drops you into the power of our body. And that's what I think that it really does. I think that ultimately it is awakening you to the power that your body already has. Like the medicine is awakening you to the power. That's what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yes, can it be years and years and years worth of therapy? Absolutely. If you feel like you're really, really far from that place, right? Yeah. I have met a lot of people that sort of want to escape reality. So they do lots mm -hmm. of psychedelics mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. brand it as medicine. Mm. I do feel that ayahuasca is medicine because yeah. it is yeah. very sacred, yeah. but the reality is there is a reality mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, you can escape it by doing many different things and you may yeah. escape reality for a while, maybe a, a few hours yeah. or so. You can also create your own reality. Yeah. And, um, I always knew that, you know, mm -hmm. we create our own realities. Mm -hmm. And when I did ayahuasca, it was a very dark time in my life. Yeah. And yeah. I was just very uncertain about a lot of things. And, um, I mean, this timeline on this planet is fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was crazy in 2021, but it's even crazier now. We're in 2023. Yeah. So I do feel like we as spiritual beings on this planet are always looking for different ways to just exist and be happy and, and, and yeah. live to our full potential, right? Absolutely. I think that we're really in a space of craving more depth, craving more richness, craving more connection. I think that when you are in a state of excess, and I just mean access to more material, access to more, um, I don't know, like when we're so programmed to be connected to the external, whether that's through our phones, whether that's through different forms of social media, striving for different careers, ultimately what that does is it just drives you further and further Absolutely. away from that connection with self. And I think that when you get that and you realize, oh, it's still not bringing me the feeling that I thought that it would bring, then you hit this point of like, I got to go in. And that's when that journey really starts. When you get the things or you have a glimpse of those things and it still doesn't bring you the thing that you thought that it would, Ooh, that's when the journey starts. And that's the most uncomfortable yet beautiful journey to go on. Cause I see so many people who are in that space and they're like, I know I, I recognize that feeling cause I, I've been there too. And I'm sure I'll be there again yeah. where you just feel confused. You feel lost. You're like everything that I thought that I wanted, I have, and it's not really doing much for me. And you're ridden with a state of confusion, a sense of hopelessness. Yeah. But that's just the beginning of the journey. Yeah. It's just like Eckhart Tolle talks about the dark night of the soul. Like now the real work gets to happen. Mm -hmm. You strip yourself of all the things that you felt formed your identity. And you actually go in and you find out who you are without all of those things. And what your purpose is without all those things. Right? Um, so, yeah. You know, it's interesting because... That I, I don't do any psychedelics. Mm -hmm. This was very intense. This was a very intense experience mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Smoked a little weed here and there mm -hmm. living in LA, but never done anything yeah. so intense. The medicine mm -hmm. during that first trip gave me everything I needed. Yeah. And 
they, whoever these alien beings were, did any aliens talk to you? Oh, yeah. That's why it's like wild because to me, yeah. the, the sound of the Ikaros sounded otherworldly. They I mean, were speaking to me, to that me. was one of the most beautiful parts of the journey, yeah. I think. Just like hearing the way that they were singing and singing for hours and hours and hours. And yeah. I was like, this is otherworldly. This is, yeah. I mean, it gave me goosebumps throughout my body. Yeah. And that part where you go sit in front of the shaman and they sing you the personal one. Yeah. Oh, I would want to do it again just for that. Yeah, it was very comforting <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. But, you know, the first few hours into after drinking Iowa, mm-hmm. Aya, it was very intense yeah. for me. And I just remember crying. Mm-hmm. But also there was like these alien beings, extraterrestrial beings that were just kind of speaking to me, comforting me. And I just remember like this igloo that Mm -hmm. showed up and there was all these like fluorescent lights going on, a lot of madness going on in there. And I'm like, wow, that looks cool, but scary. And there was two beings on each side with a flashlight telling me to go in. And I'm like, I'm not going in there, like. <laughs> yeah. But it felt so real at the time. Yeah. But I'm like, what are they trying to reveal to me? Yeah. And then, several hours later, there was this mm-hmm. auditorium, like a theater, mm-hmm. and they were about mm-hmm. to open mm-hmm. the curtains. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of the madness that I experienced in that igloo that was going yeah. on. And they were kind of like, I don't know if they were messing with me, but they kept like moving the curtains and closing mm-hmm. it. So I'm like, what are they trying to show me? Yeah. And that was like in my mind, but I didn't want to see it. I wasn't ready for it. Mm-mm. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really strange. Yeah. But I did like the final hours of Aya where it mm-hmm. wasn't so strong. I was yes. on earth. And yes. they, the message that I got mm-hmm. from Aya that mm-hmm. I take with me to this day is, Simply just be. Mm, yes. I think, you know, we were kind of talking about that earlier, and I think we sim- we both got similar messages. I remember during one of my experiences, I was kind of just, it was almost as if I was going through each possible human emotion that you can experience, like just kind of going through the spectrum and getting dropped into this emotion. Then it'd like take me out and be like, okay, now we're going to feel this. Now we're yeah. going to feel this. And I remember at a certain point just kind of laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like everything that we fear is so silly. Like everything is just going to continue to pass. Like nothing's permanent. We're all just energy. And when you like zoom out and you look at the silliness of some things that we put so much seriousness into and we wrap up so many stories around and we fear so much, you just have to laugh sometimes and be like, you really do. And I did. I, I was like laughing out loud. And the person next to me, they they were saying the thing that really got me through this journey whenever I was really in the depths of it, when I was on Aya, was just hearing you laugh. And I was like, honestly, that was the thing that was getting me through it, too, because I'd be sucked into this heavy, heavy, heavy state. Yeah. And then I just had to laugh. I'm like, oh, like, we're going to be OK. Yeah. Like, everything's going to be OK. Totally. Like, <laughs> You just got to laugh. That was the message I got was like, you know, just simply be, do the best that you can and you're protected. You're guided. Mm -hmm. We're here Mm -hmm. for you, whoever these beings were. And that was very, very comforting at the time. 
also, um, I had fell out recently with a friend mm-hmm. and when I thought I was dead, I wasn't, mm-hmm. maybe my ego was, <laughs> Something died. I thought I was dead. And then when I realized, no, I'm not dead. Uh, I just had this whole new appreciation for being alive. Yeah. Oh, and I started yeah. thinking mm-hmm. about just the bullshit that I had beef yeah, with yeah. certain people. And I'm like, it's also small. Like, oh, yeah. why? We may have different views on this, different views on that, but, you know, we can't let that divide us. Oh, yeah. And so a couple of days after, I reached out to somebody that mm-hmm. I fell out with. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that I was able to build that we're, mm-hmm. and we're working on rebuilding our friendship. Yeah. And so that was a very significant role that Aya helped me with. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny that you bring that up because I think I was just thinking about the actual experience of being in it. But that too was such a profound effect that I felt after. And it lingered for so long. And it was just this immense sense of gratitude that washed over me. I mean, I felt like my heart just like cracked open and just truly, truly opened. And I was just feeling so grateful for my partner, my family, my friends, yes, everybody so there, the experience, like it was just riding this high of gratitude. Also gratitude for being sober. Yeah. <laughs> after, yeah. After two weeks of really like going through it, I was like, oh my goodness, it feels so good to just wake up and yeah. not be under the influence. <laughs> you were put through the ringer. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh no, I can't touch like a single substance for a yeah. while. And I haven't really touched much since. I was like, we're good for a while. <laughs> I just remember when we finally got to yeah. leave there and we yeah. were stuck in this beautiful, beautiful compound for yes. a week, yeah. but it was like, they just like dropped you, dropped us off in it this town. It almost felt like, is it real? Like, is there an outside I world? I didn't know what to do. I'm like, where do I go? What, I don't even have a hotel book. What am I supposed to do? I know. Yeah. So I just yeah. remember just going to a coffee shop mm-hmm. and the medicine definitely lingers. Oh, it yeah. stays oh, in oh, your okay. system for <laughs> several months i would say oh yeah yeah yeah. so you know you're just seeing things differently and processing things differently and i just remember just getting a cup of coffee because we couldn't drink coffee there Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. enjoyed it so much like every sip it was just like i remember bumping into you (laughs) in cusco (laughs) long after the retreat had ended we're just like oh there you are, yeah. both getting a, co- a coffee. That's when I met your soon-to-be husband. Yes. That was, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was so nice to have him come out and visit me after that experience because, yeah, I was just writing this high of gratitude, of love, and I felt like I was just really thinking about him and him being my anchor as I was going through the process when I was really going through it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, goodness, I might need to leave early because there were definitely moments when I was like, I don't know if I can stay for two weeks. Yeah. Like I might need to book it and get out of here. I would just kind of think of him and be like. Did he not want to try Aya? He actually is definitely curious and interested, but due to work, he just didn't have the ability to go out there for two weeks at that time. And I was like, you know what? This is something that I've really wanted to do. Sure. I have the time right now. And I think similar to you, I had really just kind of been in this state of feeling disconnected. You know, yeah. um, I had just finished grad school we are obviously coming off of the depths of the pandemic. And I think for so long, I'd really just thrown myself into school, right? And it's like got disconnected to the felt why as to why I was doing all this work, right? 
um, just going through the motions, very academic, very logical. And I just didn't really feel connected to my emotional body, you know, just like kind of going through the motions, feeling numb. And I wanted to crack myself open and actually just like feel again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let me go try this. I'm curious about it. Like you, like so many people have been talking about it. I'm curious. Oh, it definitely cracked cracked us open. (laughs) It cracks you open. And I think the point that you were making in regard to it being such, it being like therapy in a very condensed period of time. I think that really probably is the most profound effect and reason why is because anything in terms of like healing, things have to be felt in order for them to be released. And it is so easy for us to avoid, avoid, oh, we can play the best tricks on ourselves and think that we're feeling the thing or experiencing the thing or processing the thing. But our mind plays a lot of tricks on us, whether that's just busying ourselves with the external world, busying ourselves with work, whatever it may be, right? And all of that does, like all that does is just keep us from feeling the thing. This drops you into the felt experience of it. Oh, you feel, you feel so deeply. And then that allows for it to transform and kind of move out of you and really allow for it to be released. And I think that that is the thing. Like that's why so many people walk away feeling just different because they finally felt the thing. It was finally able to release itself from the body. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, You know, just some of the friendships that we formed that week uh, with everyone that was there was just so beautiful. You really get to know people on a very deep, soulful level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I just felt like we were just one. Oh, yeah. I feel like there, it's just like walls are down, right? It's like you're there to connect. Yeah. You're You're not doing this BS, like small talk. It's like we're seeing each other for who we are. We're getting deep. We're connecting. We're like getting real and raw. I, I didn't wear a stitch of makeup. Yeah. I wore the same poncho every oh, day. Yes. I don't even think I showered that entire week. I would just go up to my room and just cry and just sleep and journal. And yeah, I mean, you're all throwing up together. Yeah. You're running into the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of catapults the intimacy real totally. quick. Sometimes you want to talk to other people. Sometimes you just want to be left alone and, and that yeah. was fine. So there was three ceremonies that week. Mm-hmm. Um, I was only able to drink the ayahuasca one time because it was mm-hmm. so incredibly intense for me. Yeah. And they, the yeah. the medicine told me, we're giving you everything you need during this yeah. session. You don't need to do it again. Yeah. And Absolutely. they did. They basically laid out my whole life timeline. Mm-hmm. And I told one of the facilitators, I said, I don't have to. I don't have to do any of the other ceremonies. And she was like, why? I'm like, well, the medicine told me that I got everything I needed from the first one. And she was like, well, you still have to be present in the Mm -hmm. ceremony because we opened it together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. let me just say, when you do the ceremony and you're not on it, Mm -hmm. it is horrible. (laughs) You are hearing people vomit. Everything is just so enhanced. People are crying and you're sober and you're just on your mat and you want to go over and comfort some people, but you can't. Yeah. 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 
I felt very motherly too. Like mm. there was someone next to me who mm-hmm. was having a hard time and I just wanted to hug her, but they yeah. say you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did wind up going up there and just drinking like a little bit. Yeah. And it was uh, very mild, but nothing like yeah. the first time I didn't want, I didn't want to yeah. get all yeah. messed up on it. The, like I did the first time, but, um, I just saw everyone as just one as fellow spiritual beings on this earth, yeah. even people that were facilitators mm-hmm. that I thought were like so well put together. Yeah. I saw them as just, we're all just yeah. on the same plane. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, we're all the same, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was a very um, profound experience. People have asked me, would, would I do it again? And I, I never say never. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I have That's no intention. I feel. Of doing I'm like, it. you know, I haven't felt called to. Yeah. If it, if it starts to knock on my door, I'll answer. Absolutely. I'll explore it. I'll curiously answer the door and see um, what I want to do with that message. But absolutely. So our last day at Arcana, we drank a hallucinogenic cactus. (laughs) And let me tell you, that was like the best experience of my life. I like that way more than I am. That was light. That was joyful. That was, um, yeah, it was like a fluttery, fun experience. You're also outside, which I think drastically changes the experience, right? I think that the setting that you're in absolutely affects the way in which you're going to experience the medicine. Because when you're in a room, you're like a little bit more, it's dark, you're like more confined, you're going through this, your own individual journey. Whereas with that medicine, I'm forgetting the name, what was the name of it? It wasn't. Not peyote. No, it wasn't. I'm forgetting forgetting the name. We'll have to drop in the information. But they said you can buy it at the Cactus at Home Depot. He grows them in his home in Vegas. Oh, my God. But that was just joyful. You know, you're outside. Like, they're playing the music. We were, like, doing the art projects. It it was like being a child. Yes. It was just having fun, being joyful, being a child. And I think that that brings up such an interesting point to healing because I think that sometimes you can get really stuck in the healing journey where you just want to heal the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I feel like that in and of itself can almost be addictive, right? But like healing can happen through joy. Healing can happen through fun, through love, through pleasure. There's like, it can happen through both. Thank you for bringing that that up. Having both of those experiences that were so drastically different, I think was beautiful to experience in one week. Cause it's like, Hey, sometimes it's confronting those heavier, darker emotions. And sometimes we need to go there, but we don't need to stay stuck there. Like healing can also happen through having fun, joy. Absolutely. And I do feel like a lot of people get stuck with Mm -hmm. these psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I've met people Mm -hmm. that would, they were just so convinced that the medicine was going to give them a special message the next time Mm -hmm. they took it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just constantly doing it. And it's just like... Absolutely. I was thinking about that when you were kind of talking about your experience and how the message that you got was, this is good for me. And like trusting that message, right? And I think that at the end of the day, we cannot outsource our own authority, our own inner voice, right? And it's like, to your point, I think a lot of people, they attribute the healing to 
the medicine. And like I said, no, it's just awakening yes. you to the power that already lies within. It's not like you can get there on your own. You don't need that medicine. Like maybe it catapults the process. Maybe it allows for you to get there more quickly, Yeah, but you can get there on your own. My one advice to people who, whether they decide to experiment with this or not, it's just don't outsource your own authority, absolutely, your own voice, your own inner voice, your own inner power. And that reminds me of this quote that I saw today. I want to read it to you because that's exactly what you just said. The spiritual journey is individual, highly personal. It can't be organized or regulated. It isn't true that everyone should follow one path. Listen to your own truth. Mm -hmm. And that's by Ram Das. Yeah. Listen to your own truth and honor yeah. that. Mm -hmm. For me personally, what I learned since our experience was I like to be present. Mm -hmm. I haven't tried anything since. I want to yeah. make sure my gut health is intact because your yeah. gut health affects everything. Absolutely. I want to make sure that I have no parasites. I travel a lot. Mm -hmm. So I did a parasite cleanse. Mm -hmm. I like mindfulness. I want to meditate. Yeah. I want to do mm -hmm. yoga. I want to eat healthy, as, as yeah. healthy as possible. I like how I feel when I'm present and mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to drink alcohol, not knocking anyone that does every now and then I, I will have a drink, but I like to feel present. Yeah. And absolutely. I, I feel like everyone, everyone has their own, like I said, like the absolutely. quote. And I, I just, think kind of what I was saying earlier, like anything can be medicine or poison. It's really just how you use it. I feel like to me, like alcohol these days is absolutely medicine because I drink it so rarely yeah. and it's in the company of my friends so and with so much joy and happiness. But I'm sure there are times in my life when it was poison, wow. right? Yeah. Because the intent wasn't there and I wasn't using it with, um, I wasn't going into it with the intent of have like being in joy, being in happiness, being in healing. And I think that makes the biggest difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's just so many shifts that have happened since going to Peru. Yeah. And I've just learned so much. And I'm really grateful for that experience. Me too. Really grateful for all the people that I've met. And I think about it often. And we're all on the path and we're all just doing the best that we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of circling it back to just traveling is I think that when you travel, you realize we're all the same. Yeah. We're the same, same. We might look a little different. Yeah. We might do things a little bit differently, but we're all just kind of trying to figure it out. Absolutely. I think it's easy to other others um, when you haven't stepped out of the confines of your own comfortability. Mm -hmm. But the second that you do so, you realize we're all just trying to figure it out. And people are just, there's a lot of really good and kind people out there in the world. Absolutely. Despite our differences. You know, like we had talked about earlier was, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about traveling, especially mm -hmm. to various countries. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is just simply prejudice and biases and mm -hmm. people that it, it's always interesting to me, people that don't even have a passport have so much to say about the world and know mm -hmm. how certain countries are. And it's like, that's not exactly that's not it at all. You know, yeah. like, yeah, it's just always ironic to me when I say like the middle East, for example, yeah, yeah. I just spent five months exploring mm -hmm. the middle East and mm -hmm. 
I felt incredibly safe there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love the culture. They're very hospitable mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and people have a lot of negative things to say. Uh, you've yeah. been to the Middle East. Yeah. What was that yeah, like? We were kind of sharing that experience. I mean, I, I feel very connected to the Middle East myself as well. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time there. I was in Jordan. I was in Saudi Arabia. I was in um, Qatar. I've been many, many wow. places. Um, and I've always been met with so much warmth there. My goodness, the people are hospitable beyond belief. It is like none other. And I think to your point, um, we've developed this narrative. And I think a lot of it has to do with the media too, of course, um, around it being so dangerous and how different they are. And it was like, no, yeah. it, was, it was quite safe. Exactly. <laughs> it was quite welcoming. Um, and I think that that's the beauty of having the privilege to travel, right? Is like you get to see that for yourself. And when you experience it for yourself, then that gives you that deep inner knowing, right? Like we don't learn through like listening to others. Not really. Like we take some stuff in, but we learn the most and the best through lived experiences. And now I have just so much more compassion to the entirety of the human race, you know? Mm -hmm. Travel is just absolutely yeah. transformative in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, when are you going to go to India? I, know. <laughs> I feel like that's a big one because yeah. my fiance is India. Yeah. That is one that we've been putting off because I feel like when we go, he has family there. So it's just like, that's going to be a big trip. That's not going to be just like popping over for a week two weeks that is going to be at least a month let me and it's on the list <laughs> i did go to nepal but that's not the same it's not the same same let me tell you going to india is like going to a different planet <laughs> it's not like going to any country it's yeah. like going to a different planet <laughs> yeah. it really takes you out of your comfort zone oh my gosh it's, i bet the culture is just in your face. It's oh, yeah. everywhere. There's so yeah. much cele celebration and joy in the streets yeah. and just beautiful smiles. And I just love it. It's like my second home. Yeah. I just yeah, have I a know. divine spiritual connection there. I've been yeah. going there on and off for like six years. And yeah. every time I go there, I'm like, oh, I'm home. That's beautiful. I feel more yeah. at home there than I do here. Yeah. It's funny to me how there's just certain places that just resonate with you. You drop in and you're like, ooh, this is home. Well, the earth has chakras. Yeah. So it's yeah. like... Each, I don't know if you felt like this, but I feel like a totally different person in each country that I go to. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Something different, like different aspects of myself yes. get emanated in different areas that I'm in or tr places that I'm traveling to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like my heart is just way more open when I'm in mm -hmm. India. I And I think it's just interesting traveling to places that just ne generally have less. And I think coming to the realization that you can find joy and happiness without yes. excess Absolutely. and like excess to too much excess creates more problems, right? It's like they say like more money, more problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but truly, I mean, um, um, when, when you have, have so, so much choice, you get stuck in this decision fatigue Yeah, and you're like, am I do doing the right thing? What should I do next? Yada, yada, yada. And it's just simplifying your life and kind of stripping things down to the basics. Absolutely. It's really interesting when you, you know, you meet some of the poorest people and they're like the happiest mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with like being in Cuba, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it really is. I mean, 
Yes, it's extremely unfortunate that they're mm-hmm. living under communism, but based on their given circumstances, mm-hmm. they're doing their best to make the best out of their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that can be applied to anyone. Mm-hmm. But I do know some very wealthy people in LA that don't have the freedom to travel yeah. and don't have the freedom to just take off and go to the Middle East for five months, you yeah. know? So like we talked about earlier, we really do create our own realities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of just circling it back to what I was saying. When you get all the things that you thought that were going to bring you joy and you realize like, oh, yeah, this isn't it. <laughs> yeah. It's not fulfilling. Yeah. That's when the real work starts. And I think that getting to that more soulful connection with self and with the world around you, like that's going to bring you that sense of fulfillment that you're looking for. Sometimes it takes getting the thing and realizing it's not all that you thought that it was to kind of start the journey, but you don't have to wait till then to get to start that journey. Oh girl, that's my my dilemma. I'm a Sagittarius. So I want something so bad yeah. and I'll finally get it and then I realize, oh, I don't really want it. Yeah. And I thought I was so convinced that I wanted this and yeah. I mean, it didn't want it anymore. Um mm-hmm. being, you know, it's rough being a Sag. <laughs> But, you know, hopefully the wonderlust always stays. I just... Yeah, I think that that's more so just a frame of mind, though, right? Like maintaining that sense of curiosity with the world and with the people around you. And I think that that can happen anywhere, not just on vacation, right? It's like, who, are you talking to the people around you and trying to get to know them, right? And I mean, like anyone from like the person at the coffee shop to like your Uber driver to like the person on the street. Yeah. It's like just invoking yourself with that sense of curiosity and wonder and that can make it feel like you're kind of in this traveling state of mind even whenever you're in the midst of your hometown or wandering the streets of new york city true yeah one thing i love about traveling in various countries uh is people aren't so like programmed like they are here like Mm -hmm. i notice like especially like in India and the Middle East, people are just jolly and laugh and they don't really have like a care in the world in a way, you know, and you come back here and people yeah. are just like rushing and no one oh, like yeah. sees each other. Oh my gosh. And yeah. it's like, you talk to someone, you're like, Hey, how was your day? And they just look at you. Like, are you talking to me? Cause they're just so programmed. Yeah. I, mean, I think about that all the time, how wild it is me living here in New York and honestly, like not knowing my neighbors at all. Like I live in a big high rise. Right. And it's just never seeing my neighbors, never seeing them. I'm like, how is it that we all live on the same floor and I never cross paths with you? I mean, it's just wild. And even the times when I have briefly seen my neighbor, maybe once or twice in the three years that I've been living here, it's almost like a, like a weird, um, startled sense of being startled, like, or shocked. (laughs) Whenever I like say hi in the the elevator, it's like, oh, and it's like very awkward. (laughs) A very awkward encounter. When I came back after traveling for several months, uh, one of my neighbors was like, wow, I thought you were dead. I was like, excuse well, me? Well, my ego died. And I'm like, well, my ego died, but he's like, where have you been? I'm like, oh, you know me, I'm a traveler. Take off for four or five, six months, you know? If you only knew, if you only knew where I've been. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Travel, it just yes. really changes you in just so many ways. And it really um, does. it's it's yeah. just so transformative. And mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful for the ability to travel because not everyone can, right? Yeah. It is a privilege. Mm-hmm. We have a strong mm-hmm. passport here. Mm-hmm. You know, we can just show up in other countries, don't have to worry about yeah. visa process like some mm-hmm. of my indian friends they can't even go to a lot of countries yeah or if they do they need to go through a whole visa process mm-hmm. pay all this money and still not even get it yeah you know so i just want to say how much gratitude i have for having an american passport and being able to go anywhere i want in the world and roam freely that is just i'm, I'm so grateful and people will always ask me too like how do i travel And I always just say, like, when there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. You can find ways to travel. There's work. What is this program? Work work for home or something like that where you Mm -hmm. just, like, will volunteer somewhere. Mm -hmm. Work Mm -hmm. on a farm Mm -hmm. in Maui or Mm -hmm. somewhere, Mm -hmm. and you get to stay for free. Mm -hmm. So there's many programs like that that Mm -hmm. you can if you want to make it work and you do want to travel, there are ways to do it. Mm-hmm. You can do anything if you really have a strong will. Yeah, do, absolutely. Do it. Yeah. yeah, but I agree. I think traveling is so much just meeting and connecting with the people, right? And immersing yourself in the culture, right? Because I think it's so easy to travel and actually stay within the comfortability of no. the resort and not, no. don't get me wrong. <laughs> We're going to look at my Instagram and be like, I know that you like the bougie resort. <laughs> I do from time to time. We all do. I won't lie. I like the balance of both. But I like to go out into the the the, the town during the sure, day. Sure, exactly. No, but really immersing myself with the people, the community, um, and I think that that's always the most beautiful aspect of it all, right? And I always feel this sense of sadness leaving a place after having traveled, especially if I spend a decent amount of time there. It's like this heaviness that I feel. I'm like, oh, I loved it so much. And the hospitality was so warm and welcoming. I'm just kind of thinking back at a time whenever I was in Egypt and we kept connecting with this um, waiter who worked at one of the restaurants that we absolutely loved. And we just kept dining there like so many times. (laughs) It was so good that we're like, let's just keep going back there. Let's keep going back there. And we we built this really strong connection with the staff there. And I remember whenever it was our last night and we were leaving and he presented us with the, a pen from the restaurant. And he presented it in this really sweet um, way. And he's like, I have something that I want to give you. And he pulls out the pen and he's like, this is to remember us Aww. in our time here. And I was like, it was so endearing yeah. and so sweet. Still have that pen, of course. But it's just moments like that where I just feel like I really got to connect with the people. And that is always the most beautiful part. It really is. Because I feel like in ways it becomes like a mosaic of who I am. I feel like in many ways I don't ever, I don't feel like I have like a place that feels like home like a home base, I guess, right? Like, and, and there's definitely been places that I travel that give me a sense of what it might feel like to be at home. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it is kind of a collection of the people that I've met along the way who kind of builds up this mosaic of who I am and like what maybe home feels like. And I think that's yeah. a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, it's like, you know, 
people will say, who are some of your closest friends? I'm like, well, they're all scattered throughout the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hard to like, not everyone is in LA and some of my closest friends are in India. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the beauty of it, you know, just being able to travel and see them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you see yourself here in New York? Or? I know, the big question. Yeah. Right? I mean, at this point, it's wild. I've been here for going on eight years. Wow. Crazy. Didn't think I was Because you're originally from long. California, right? Originally from Texas. Did spend some time out in California okay. for a while. Um, I thought I was on my way out. Then I met Milan, who is a native New Yorker. <laughs> so wow. it kind of like grounded me here. Though I will say... New York has been one of those love-hate relationships that, like, if you stay here long enough, oh, it's going to expand you in a lot of different ways. I've grown to love it more and more and more the longer I stay. Now I'm like, oh, I can't. How do you deal with the winter? You know what? I have my earmuffs now. You know, my first four years of living here, I wasn't really prepared. You know, I came with not many resources. I was in school, didn't have a lot of money. So it was just like, I had the bare basics. Now I got the earmuffs. Now I have the gloves. Okay. The snow boots. <laughs> Though I feel like it snows less and less, but um, no, once you get the proper gear, you're good. You can stay outside all day, <laughs> but it's all about the proper gear. <laughs> I'm going back to LA next week. Uh, no, I'm going back to LA tomorrow. Yeah. And I was checking the weather and it's going to mm-hmm. be like 85. And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go to the beach. That's the beauty of living in LA. Just, yeah. And you really just lose concept mm-hmm. of time. You're like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. it's November? Like, really? Yeah, but, absolutely. But I think one of the things, though, that I love about New York, and much like LA, because I feel like it's one of those transient cities, too, is that you always have friends popping through New York. Yes, just like totally. you, right? Oh, it's like every time you're coming through, I'm like, oh, like we get to meet up, right? Yes. And it's one of those cities where if you have a lot of international friends, oftentimes this will be a city maybe they hub out of or they have a flight out of, something will bring them here. So you get to reconnect with a lot of people yeah. that sometimes you don't if you live in other places that are not as easily Absolutely. accessible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to ask you, um, we are living in a very crazy timeline Mm -hmm. right now. Like Mm -hmm. some people don't feel it at all. Mm -hmm. I know you feel that. Mm -hmm. I certainly feel it. What can we do to stay sane Mm. and not live in fear Mm. during these times? Absolutely. So I feel like, interestingly, I feel like anxiousness and excitement are so close on the spectrum. And this is what I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, if we're thinking about a spectrum of emotions, anxiousness and excitement are so close. One is fear-based about the future. One is trust-based about the future, right? When you experience excitement, it's like you're thinking about the things that you're looking forward to. And you're like, oh, like, I can't wait for the future, but in this very like giddy, joyful way, right? When you're in anxiousness, you're thinking about the future, but you're stuck in that fear-based anxiousness that is causing for you to feel, I guess, the undesirable symptoms that come with that, right? So I think to as much as your ability, like dropping into, like shifting it over, like what are some of the things that you can look forward to about the future? Mm -hmm. I think having hope, having something to look forward to. And I think that Mm -hmm. leaning on Viktor Frankl's work, finding meaning Mm -hmm. in 
all experiences of life, right? I think that in our capitalist society, we are so programmed like happiness, happiness, yeah. happiness, happiness, and happiness is important. Yeah. And absolutely, like I said, you can heal through joy, through fun, through pleasure, mm -hmm. but also how do you find meaning and purpose in all experiences of life absolutely so that you can flow through them so that you can meet them confront them experience them you have the power to narrate your life that is one of to me one of the biggest gifts that we have is the ability to narrate our life narrate our experiences what are you taking from the experience that you had how are you narrating it for yourself because that narration that you repeat to yourself daily is incredibly important. And then lastly, I think dropping into your body, right? So when we were talking about Aya, one of the most profound things that we were saying was that you really drop into the felt sense of it, right? And that allows for you to move through some of these experiences that you had so that you can relieve some of that stored tension, that stored trauma from the body. A lot of the embodiment work that I do though is allowing and teaching you to get there without needing a substance, right? Like dropping into your body, moving your body, shaking your body. Maybe that's through dance. Mm. Maybe that's just through like jogging. I love aesthetic dance. That is healing in and of itself, right? So when you feel fear, when you feel, feel anxiousness, that's just a lot of energy in your body. It needs a place to be expressed and released. Mm -hmm. So dropping into the body and find, finding an outlet for you to express it in a way that feels good for you, sure, sure. right? And I think that that will really allow for you to move through some of these uncomfortable situations. It's not a one-shot one deal. I think it's a combination of a lot of different tools, finding what resonates with you, but ultimately leaning on different ones having a whole toolbox mm -hmm. of different tools so that you can navigate and move through trying times. Cause I think to some degree or another, none of us escape tragedy, no. right? Um, that is one thing that's true. While life gets to be really, really beautiful, really joyful, really easy at times, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. How do you find meaning and purpose in that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what book would you recommend? You mentioned. Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Man's Search, Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl is just like. Ooh, what is it? Hits you. Man's Search for Meaning. Okay. It's pretty short, but so impactful. My goodness. I read this one and it stuck with me ever since. And it's one that I go back to time and time and time again. So if there's one book that I recommend anybody read, it's that one. It's a pretty short read, but it is packed with so much wisdom because I feel like, yeah, like so much has been fed to us around happiness, right? Like almost to the point where it becomes, it works to our detriment where you're like, well, I'm not happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time. Like you're measuring yourself up against this unrealistic um, standard of just being happy all the time. And it's like, yes, like absolutely. We need to drop into the goodness of life when life is good and joyful. But like I said, none of us escape tragedy to some degree or another. Like how do you find meaning and purpose even when life gets really, really hard? Absolutely. And that book is really kind of his journey through that, his lived experience through that. And he was actually also a psychiatrist. Um, he lived through the Holocaust and he talks about his journey and how he found purpose and meaning 
through the midst of that, even after having lost his entire family. And I'm like, that's just powerful, you know? And we can all take something from that and apply that to our day to day. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. (laughs) You mentioned the Holocaust and that just made me think about what's going on in Mm -hmm. Israel and Palestine right now. I visited the region just in May, mm-hmm. went to the Palestine side, stayed yeah. with a Palestinian family for three yeah. nights, got to know them, and hearing about and seeing what's been happening in that region is heartbreaking for me yeah. because I went there, I know the people, and yeah. they just want peace, and they just want what we all want. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I was saying, right? It's like when you get the ability to travel, you realize like, we're all the yes. same. Like we just want love. We want connection. We want family. We want safety. Absolutely. Like we all just want the same thing. Absolutely. So yeah. our hearts are with the people and that are affected in that region. And um, I hate when people ask me to pick sides. It's like yeah. I'm on the side of love. I'm on the side of peace. Yeah. And there's a lot of political BS that's at play mm-hmm. with this situation. And yeah. it's just unfortunate because the people that suffer the most are the innocent people. Oh, and yeah. that's what we're, we're seeing. Like the everyday people are the victims in all of this. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I feel like this is such a, a collective issue on our mm-hmm. planet. And the highest frequency is love, right? Mm-hmm. So how can we as humans solve this planetary problem in mm-hmm. the most conscious way as possible, mm-hmm. right? So we have Absolutely. both sides, like we do with politics, mm-hmm. just going at each other's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, no, let's just sit and re- try to resolve this for the betterment of the planet. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, how do you feel Absolutely. about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's complicated, right? And I think it starts at the individual level, though, right? So it's just like, how do we play our part? I think by showing up in this world and holding compassion for all people. Mm -hmm. It serves as a butterfly effect. And I think that that shouldn't be discounted or discredited. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So prayers for peace on the planet everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. one of my intentions for the show was to... Mm -hmm. Just try to bring a little joy and positivity into people's lives during these chaotic times. Hopefully the show can uh, be an inspiration for many um, because I recognize the timeline that we're living in. And I'm really grateful for you, Alex, too. I'm so grateful for you, too. You know, not only just coming into my life when we met Mm -hmm. in Peru in 2021, but also just being a soul sister. Yeah. Soul sister. <laughs> you know, we just, we get it. Oh, we connected. Yeah. We totally connected. It was just like very apparent and obvious once we reconnected after, I guess, about two years yeah. when we were at the cafe in New York, yeah. right? And it was just like yeah. five hours later. I know. We met for coffee. Oh, we got to go. I was like, oh, wait. It's been five hours. We were it's just... funny how you just kind of connect with people in that way, right? It's a beautiful yeah. thing that is inexplicable it, in many it ways. It really is. It doesn't. We're like, just out of time. Yeah. You're not really thinking. You're just in the moment. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. And I'm really grateful for our friendship and for you to be the first person on my show. <laughs> like... 
yeah. mean, what were you thinking when I asked you? What were I was like, oh, here, talking about like being on a roller coaster. It's like, here we go. Sometimes you just have to say yes, right? I think that we were kind of talking about this earlier. Even in regard to my Aya experience too, right? Like our mind can create such problems out of non-problems. I mean, that's the mind's job. The mind is a problem solver. So even if there's no problems, it will create problems to solve because that's its job. And so it has a tendency of really hyperinflating the worries around certain things. And I think for me, actually being in the public space is one that I've talked about a little amongst like my own circle, my own people. Sure. But I think that putting myself out there in the public space always feels a little uncomfy. Yeah. So I think whenever I got the invitation from you, I'm like, here we go. This is like a knock on my door and I have to answer. You have a choice, right? You answer, you don't. No one said you have to do it perfectly. No one said you have to do Absolutely. it. Well, answer. The answer was going to be yes. Um, and I think that I say the, I share those things too, because I think that so many people, they think that when they experience anxiousness, they're the only ones in it. And it means that they're not ready. It's like, no, 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 no. Anytime you are stepping outside of your comfort zone, you're going to feel uncomfy. Like we're programmed to be in things that feel safe, right? Like we're beings of conditioning. Sure. So anything that breaks out of that mold, anything that feels new or different, it's going to come with discomfort. So when you asked me, I was like, I got to do it. Yeah. Here's my chance. <laughs> You're going to learn some valuable lessons. <laughs> <laughs> got to break out of this fear of allowing for myself to be seen in the more public. Yeah. People have asked me like, how do you like, how are you a travel blogger? How do you like hold the camera up and like, you know, be vulnerable? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I did in the beginning, yeah. but then yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to try to be prim and proper all the time. There's times where I just don't feel good or don't look, feel like I look good or feel very confident, yeah. but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, yeah. I think that when you just start taking things way less seriously, life gets so oh, much more fun. Totally. And I tr- for years and years and years and years, I just took myself so yeah. seriously. Even, eventually, that just gets exhausting. Yeah. You got to rip the mask off and you have to say like, yeah. oh, fuck it. Like me or not, <laughs> this is who I am. <laughs> And, I, you know, even kind of going into this, I was like, we could yeah. absolutely butcher this. I could get on the mic and, like, start shaking. <laughs> you know what? No one's going to remember my name yeah. after this in probably, I don't know, a few months. They'll be like, oh, that one girl that looked really silly on the podcast. They got better things <laughs> to think about and worry about. Like, I am not the main character in their life. <laughs> absolutely. You're natural, though, by the way. You are natural. Yeah, but I, I feel like the beauty of just being in the media and just Mm -hmm. being out there is just like people just see you Mm -hmm. as who you are so it's like you're you know I just I just like to be authentic Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like when you're authentic you don't have to worry about anything there's going to be people that like you and there's going to be people that hate you but none of that will have anything to do with you yeah Yeah. you're just being yourself you can't please everybody Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, when you just stop trying to control and manipulate everyone's perception of you, life gets way, 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 way more joyful and fun. It really does. Right? And that's, I mean, I reiterate that one to my clients all the time, but I'm really just kind of reminding myself. It's just like, stop trying to micromanage everyone's opinion of you. Absolutely. Log off. It's none of your business. People will follow you on Instagram and unfollow you. Oh, well. 
what people think of you as one of your business. If they have a problem and they want to confront you and have that conversation, absolutely. But unless that's the case, like what people think of you is none of your business. Absolutely. Are you paying my bills? (laughs) (laughs) Because I can send you, you know. (laughs) Then maybe I'll consider your opinion. But (laughs) Maybe I'll consider you. So good to laugh. Oh my goodness. I love laughing with you. I think it was kind of funny when we think about this morning and like getting here a misalignment with the times, but yeah. you know what? There was this moment of just like getting to sit at the cafe before and yeah. like laugh it off and just like have fun. We could have got all right? frazzled and been like, oh yeah. my God. So what had happened was I had booked the studio for 12 originally, and then I changed it to one and then I changed it back to 12. <laughs> And I guess that wasn't properly communicated to our producer, Dimitri, but thank you. Um, So we just waited an hour in a cafe and I got to catch up with you. And I think it just made us feel a bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. sitting and chatting. And here we are. So I let that be an example that things may not always go your way, but just trust the flow of things, you know, all divine timing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, well, I guess um, we'll conclude this show because my stomach's growling. I'm a little hungry. <laughs> we can maybe go eat if you want to. Yeah, um, but thank lunch. You. Keep chatting yes. throughout the day. <laughs> thank you for being an amazing guest, Alex. I'm so grateful for you and for the work that you do. That I mean, you're helping so many people. And Likewise, sister. Thank Thanks you. for saying that in me and asking you to be here. Of course. How can people reach you? Instagram is probably the best space, alex.alchemy. And there you can find lots of little things that I do, whether that's breathwork, embodiment, yada, yada, all the things. (laughs) Can I have you say in a very exuberant way, I love my life? Yes. I love my life. And if you guys don't know that phrase, if you never seen my travel blogs, I would just always say that when I was traveling. I learned it from being around a bunch of hippies when I was living in Goa, India, and they would, you know, just get high and say, I love my life. And I like that. And I'm, I just started saying it. It just sort of became my mantra. Yeah. And I say it to myself, even when I'm not feeling so good and I really lift the vibration. So Yeah. Everyone should love their lives. (laughs) It's a true gift being here on this earth, despite all the the crazy timeline that we're living in. It's a true gift. So thank you for everyone that's watching and for your support. Please like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, and follow my dear friend Alex. And be prepared to wake up with Jessica on the next episode. Namaste.